The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Congratulations to the Manhattan High boys basketball team. Winners of six straight. Wow. And now they're about to play tomorrow night for a Dodge City Tournament of Champions title. They await the winner of Wichita Heights, who's the number one team in 6A, and Mays. This is a interesting in-season tournament. Pretty early, right? Um, I like it, dude. I like it a lot. Matching up some top teams in the state. Yeah. Very nice. I would imagine Manhattan plays Wichita Heights. That'll be a 5 o'clock tip tomorrow here on K-Man, which pregame coverage starts at 445. And then after the Manhattan boys, will join in progress with the K-State men as they take on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Later on tonight here on K-Man, as a matter of fact, uh, pregame coverage at approximately 445. Always depends on the JV game beforehand. Manhattan girls playing back-to-back road games at least an hour 15 away from home as they now travel east on I-70 to face the Blue Valley Tigers out of Stillwell, Kansas. Ooh. So uh, Kobe Van Camp making his play-by-play K-Man debut tonight. Right on. He's ready to go. He's been chomping out the bit. He's been working hard to get this moment. So I'm like, all right, Kobe, here you go. This is your opportunity. You want it, here it goes. Don't screw up too bad. It's not like your job depends on it. Tip off at about... Six o'clock. By the way, here was a last night's Manhattan boys game went to double overtime uh, against Olathe East, and Manhattan won it on a three-ball buzzer beater. Here is Troy's call. The winner draws a matchup with Wichita East tomorrow afternoon at two thirty. The loser skip ahead there with eight point two to play in this second overtime. Needs again another good look. Seven seconds to play as Kim takes the basketball into the forecourt. Stops. Feeds it off to Knopf. Deep three. Got it at the horn! Got it at the horn! It's been cracking me up all morning when Love I hosted that. the morning show. Love that. Great call by Troy Coverdale. He'll have the call again tomorrow night uh, here on K-Man. Meanwhile, this afternoon's and by the way, welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner, David G. Owen Burke, and here in just actually a few minutes, we're going to be joined by Oklahoma State sideline reporter Robert Allen, who's been a friend of K-Man uh, for quite a long time, but I want to just quickly mention, we'll talk about it here a little bit later on in the show. And I- I'll be honest, when I first heard the news, I I was trying extremely hard to maintain my composure. K-State Senior Center from the women's basketball team, Aoka Lee, will be sidelined for roughly four weeks following an injury to her ankle. And we, us media, we saw her Monday. As we went to the basketball training facility to talk to many, talked to a handful of players. I talked to Zai Walker. And she, after practice, was in a boot. And we knew she hurt her ankle in some way. She got kicked, actually, in the Oklahoma game. And But she still played. She still played against Texas. And a double-double was named the National Player of the Week, which I'm not the first to mention this. It's been all over Twitter. People have been shouting it out. Aoka Lee won the, the National Player of the Week honor. Mm. On a broken freaking ankle. Dog. She's basically Kurt Angle of women's basketball. I'm proud she's a wildcat. That's right. Yeah. Proud we can make that link. She's like Willis Reed. I would I'd rather (laughs) 
Kurt Angle's all, you know, Angle, he, man, you know, I don't know. Uh, boy, this this gal, unfortunately, another season, another injury. I mean, it, great to know it's not season-ending. They got an MRI, noticed there was a broken bone, there was a fracture in her ankle, so it required surgery. They got that done, and they're hoping in four weeks she's able to return. So, I mean, just a, a you know, a quick idea on when you can maybe expect Aoka Lee back. Okay, so four weeks down the road, you're looking at maybe February 14th at Iowa State, UCF on February 17th, which is a Saturday. Are you sign languaging somebody? I have somebody coming to pick up tickets that <laughs> they won. It's been like a uh, situation, but go ahead. Okay. Aoka Lee's health is more important than this. My sign language situation with yeah. Doc Rock, okay? Okay. So, Yoki, who averages 20 points a game, eight rebounds a contest, is now sitting for maybe six or seven games. And there's 12 games left in the Big 12 slate. And I I, I didn't want to freak out. And it's not the end of the world. But damn it, things were just getting good. Yeah, man. It was just getting good. 7,000-plus for the Texas game. Cats win. They're now... A, Seventh-ranked team of the nation. There's a chance with just beating KU. They come, become a top-five team. Now I wonder how the voters now will take K-State without Aoki Lee. And then, by the way, we were here last year. We didn't have Yoki last year. It was so hard to establish an inside game when you didn't really have a true center that could play valuable minutes. K-State was really missing that last year. Let's look at the positive now. And again, we'll talk more about this a little bit later on, but now it's time for Amani Lester to step up, Gisela Sanchez to, 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 to step up, Eliza Maupin to step up, Heavenly Greer to step up, who all can play the five. Minutes are now up for grabs. I would imagine Amani will start... Because she's she she's definitely of the four I mentioned. She's more the center type, you know. Gisela would be the first off the bench to maybe swing into that five spot. Maybe Gisela will start. It'd be one of them. I, maybe it is Gisela that will start in place of Yoki. Maybe that does change as the games go on. But these are all young players: freshman, sophomore, sophomore, junior. Heavenly Greer is a junior, and she has plenty of experience. But the rest are really young players. A couple of years. You know, maybe a year under their belt for most of these players. And, uh, you know, Luzum up in 6'3". She can dunk. She hasn't yet in a game, but she can dunk. Uh, Amani Lester, the transfer from Louisville, um, can play. And, uh, is, and and Gisela Sanchez is a Spaniard on the national team. So Is this a situation where you can do like a money ball thing and say, okay, Giambi's gone. And we can't afford to replace Jambi with one guy, but we can replace him with three people. Can you replace Ayoka Lee with three or four different players? I can tell you what we will do, and that is not forfeit any games due to a lack of healthy players. Whoa. <laughs> that will not be happening. There will be no forfeiting seven or eight games. Going to continue to play. And it happens to be the next opponent is the Kansas Jayhawks. Ew. So much hype around this Sunflower Showdown. I hope still, you know, you don't let the Aoka Lee news keep you from coming to Bramlage. Like, it 
it ruins your uh, you know your interest in coming to the game and watching the cats play. Right. It's still going to be a really fun doubleheader. I still think the cats are going to get it done. You just don't have Aoka Lee now for a little while. Um, you know, K State really grew as a team last year, just in overall talent and overall game by not having Aoka Lee. They know what to do now in this situation, but you also now have more depth. Mm-hmm. That's pretty key. Mm-hmm. You now have more depth. Uh, we'll talk more about Aoka Lee being out roughly four weeks now for K State women's basketball, the number seven team in the nation, but also a part of that doubleheader, the main event. Six o'clock from Bramlage, K-State against Oklahoma State. With pregame coverage on our sister station starting at five o'clock, we'll join in progress here on K-Man once Manhattan boys get wrapped up. Let's talk a little poke sports with Oklahoma State sideline reporter Robert Allen, who's been a friend of K-Man's for a long time. He's also a writer for pokesreport.com. Robert, really appreciate your time joining us here once again on the game. Let's first open up uh, talking a little bit of football. And, you know, last time we talked pretty pivotal time for Oklahoma State. Two and two, and then you beat the Cats. And it was an ugly game for K-State. It was an ugly game for the offense as they tried to call back and they couldn't get it done. Finishing, though, 10 and four, I would imagine you were probably one of those people that wasn't too impressed that Oklahoma State was able to figure it out and get to 10 wins. Uh, that wasn't it wasn't impressed or was? You, or not not impressed. You weren't surprised. I'm sorry. Surprised. Surprise. You, yeah, sorry about that. No. Um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody was surprised. You got to 10 and 4 and you went to the Big 12 championship game. There, there's, uh, yeah. Coming back from Ames, Iowa, and, and the team was 2 and 2. Yeah, if you said that, you should be, um, you're clairvoyant. You need to go to Vegas. <laughs> You need to go to all the tables, every casino, until they kick you out and take all you can. Um, I will say this, and I think I said that when we we talked before the game, that Friday night game with uh, K-State, that that previous week was as good an open week as maybe I've ever seen covering Oklahoma State. And, And being on the broadcast crew, Mike Gandy's really nice. I mean, he gives us opportunity. I mean, we're, we're at practice. We're on their uh, computer platform. We can watch practice tape. We can watch opponent tape. Um, and that week, I was surprised. They, they got after it hard. Uh, the players, I mean, I, they acted like a 4-0 and team rather than a 2-2 two and two team in practice. Great attitude. Uh, came back after a couple of days off over the weekend. Got right back into the flow of it to get ready for the K-State game. And I, I, I don't want to say this because I have great respect for Chris Kleiman. I have great respect for Bill Snyder. I, I grew up knowing Coach Snyder. Um, and I have tremendous respect for Kansas State. And my favorite sideline reporter in the Big 12 <laughs> is Matt Walters. So, you know, come on. Um, but that game was the pivotal game. Oklahoma State beating K-State on that Friday night. That was the launching pad. And from that point on, with the exception maybe of the, the trip to Orlando and uh, kind of the debacle, i got news for everybody. It's kind of like you don't want to play Oklahoma State on their homecoming because they get really fired up for homecoming in Stillwater. You don't want to play UCF for their space game. Uh, <laughs> they, they, get, they get pretty dang fired up about that space business down there. Uh, 
but no, uh, and I, and I said this. I was I was actually on with SXM earlier this afternoon, and I've said this on my own radio show. I had more fun covering this Oklahoma State team this year than any team I've ever covered. Not because they were the most talented. There have been more talented teams at OSU. But this team, they they cared for each other. I mean, I, I don't want to throw out the, the culture and the camaraderie and the chemistry and all those catchphrases. This team was a team. There was hardly any clicks within the team. Uh, you saw it in the locker room. You saw it on the sidelines. You saw it at practice. Um, you saw it in the hotel when they traveled. These guys like each other, and they really they really got along. And because of that, they were able to gather themselves after a really average or even below average start, and got it rolling. And when they did, it was it was fun to watch. And uh, yeah, it was I, was I surprised. Yeah, was I, after the K-State game, I'll be honest, after they beat K-State, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. these guys yeah. are pretty good. They they have a chance. And then they went on that five-game run. It was K-State, it was KU, uh, Cincinnati, West Virginia, and OU. And, you know, West Virginia was on the road. The other four, fortunately, were at home, uh, which helps. That helps a lot. For instance, next year Oklahoma State goes to Manhattan. Uh, I am absolutely thoroughly convinced that will be much more difficult than it always is than playing K State in Stillwater. Uh, but no, it was it was a lot of fun, guys. It was a good fun fun ride to be on, and and with most everybody back, I think everybody's pretty excited about what these guys might be able to do for an encore. Yeah, that was my next question. Uh, you know, Alan Bowman is back for his seventh year to cash in that 401k and Ollie Gordon. Is now. it seven? I thought it was like 27. <laughs> yeah. No, it hasn't all been at Oklahoma State, but he's been in college football a minute. And uh, Ollie Gordon all of a sudden then became the best running back in the nation. I was going to ask you about the offseason and about, you know, the recruiting as if uh, where are the big needs for Oklahoma State? Oh, I think uh, – they, they really didn't want to lose Leon Johnson the third, and they had to use him because of injuries at receiver. He was earmarked a red shirt, and, uh, and so they, they, they're looking for some help there. They did pick up a running back from Arkansas that's a, a native Oklahoman, A.J. Green, that played at Tulsa Union, was pretty good in the day because uh, they need a veteran. I mean, Ceci Vallier, who is the freshman, is really good, but when you lost um, – you know, Jaden Nixon in the portal, you kind of needed to go out and get a veteran, so they did. Uh, other than that, they get they went and got a tight end from Ohio, Tyler Foster, uh, an offensive lineman from Arizona State. Other than maybe a receiver and maybe one more defensive end, they're in pretty good shape. And, and you still have the window, the portal window. Of course, you can lose guys in that portal window, too, after spring. So I think there'll be probably some more adjustment there. I don't think it'll be major, but they may lose another guy or two, and and they need to go out and get maybe a couple of pieces. 
Well, the big reason why we have you on here today, Robert, talk uh, Oklahoma State hoops who play here in Manhattan tomorrow. And, you know, for K-State's sake, you know, I, I hope it's not deja vu. And this is uh, the uh, the turnaround interview for Oklahoma State. And they beat the Cats. They can do it the next game. But Oklahoma State 8-9. and nine. It's been a rough year so far with an 0-4 start. Um, in Big 12 play, you know, I, I've you look at the schedules. You can maybe make some comparisons between Oklahoma State and K State. The difference is in those close games, K State was able to overcome and win a bunch of overtime contests. Meanwhile, gosh, I mean, it's it's a ton of like non-con games that the this, the uh, the Cowboys lost by five points or less. They were in them, and gosh, a couple plays go different. This is a different season for Oklahoma State, but. Is there a common denominator that explains why Oklahoma State isn't getting over the hump? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, people tend to make these things into excuses, but they're not. They're realities. Uh, Oklahoma State in, in basketball lost a number of guys out of the portal. One of them is at another Big 12 school kicking it. Avery Anderson is certainly one of the reasons that uh, uh, TCU – uh, is is playing so well. Um, he's he's done really well for the Frogs, but I think with Oklahoma State, Mike Boynton went out, got a really good recruiting class. Then Eric Daly Jr. was a top 100 player, and uh, Brandon Garrison, the 6'11 post player, was like number 42 recruit in the country. So Oklahoma State's got some good pieces in that freshman class. They went and got maybe the best point guard they've had since Cade, Cade Cunningham uh, in Javon Small, transfer from East Carolina. But I think when you put too many freshmen, young players, with too many transfers that are in their first year at the school, unless you have a, a uh, two or three players that I would call dynamite leaders and kind of can be the backbone, you got too much newness. And I know that sounds like a massive excuse, but I think there's too much newness and they're still trying to, to kind of get through all that and, and get it all on the same page. You look at it, you know, Oklahoma state lost, um, you know, three of their first five games. Um, you know, their losses, those five losses you mentioned in, in the, the uh, preseason, they took place in the first, I think seven games. Um, so at one point you were, you were sitting there maybe two and five, three and five, uh, they got a little bit better toward the end of non-conference. And then you get into a whole new game. I mean, the big 12 is, you know, dramatically different unless you're playing, you know, uh, nothing but top 25 teams in your non-con. The big 12 is so vastly different as far as the competition every night. And Oklahoma state opened with Baylor at tech at Iowa state. And then Kansas. Those have been the first four games. They're zero and four. Um, you might have picked them zero and four, even if Oklahoma State had come in with a, a ten wins in the non-con. But you didn't. You didn't do that. And I just think this team hasn't played complete games. Evidence they jumped out some early leads and and seen those fade. They've also had the game like the Kansas game on Tuesday night. They never led. Kansas took it from the very beginning never let up, put the foot further down on the gas pedal and uh, distanced Oklahoma State. So uh, this is a team that they're just, they're just not ready for prime time yet. If there is a moral victory, Robert, can we agree that I, Oklahoma State broke Baylor's three-point shooting? They have not been the same since that game. 
No, they they haven't, and that was that. In fact, that's definitely the best conference outing so far. Mike Boynton has started almost every one of his post game news conferences with well, actually three of the four. He said we weren't the most aggressive team. Mm. The only time he didn't say that was the Baylor game. So that's that's been one part of this. They've been. Um, I don't want to say they haven't been the toughest team on the floor. They just haven't been the most aggressive. Uh, they were that night. And, I mean, they, at the line, three-point line, they they were they were suffocating as you can be in perimeter defense. But here's the alternative. Baylor won the game, scored 90 points in an overtime game, 50 of those 90 in the paint. Huh. And then since then, you could say Baylor struggled scoring outside since OSU. OSU struggled stopping anybody inside since Baylor. So it's kind of – there's a tit for tat there, guys. What is uh, – with Oklahoma State fans, what's right now the feeling around Mike Boynton and his status at this point? You know, that's an interesting question. It's come up more and more lately. Um the facts of the matter are before Chad Weiberg uh, took over as athletic director on the way out the door, Mike, uh, Mike Holder signed Mike Boynton to a new contract that, unfortunately, Chad didn't have any say, but Chad's the one that's got to deal with it, and it's got a pretty lucrative buyout for Mike, for Mike Boynton. Um, so that's one thing you've got to consider. How much, you know, how much do you want to pay a guy not to coach anymore and make a change? Um, so, and that's not how the fans feel. That's just the, that's just a fact of the matter as far as the future. The fans like Mike Boynton. Mike Boynton checks every single box that you would want for a head coach. I mean, great face of the program, says the right things, uh, treats his players well, treats the fans well. Uh, you know, just everybody likes a uh, good recruiter. I mean, just keep checking all those boxes. And then that one big box at the end wins enough games, hadn't checked it. So that's kind of where the fans are. I think, I think it's to the point that a lot of fans just coach, please win some games, please, please win some games. Cause I really don't think anybody wants to see Mike Boynton jettison. I'm not even going to use the word fired because I don't think most fans would want to use that word. Um, I think they're just hoping somehow, and his his track record has been in February, his teams get better. They seem to string some games together and win some games in the month of February. A lot of fans are hoping that happens. Now, even if they do, is it good enough? Probably not. They're not going to make – I mean, it, it'd be – they would have to win every game the rest of the way in conference play and, and then win at least a couple in Kansas City to be in the tournament. I mean, that's pretty much where they are now. They're, their backs are against the wall, and it's that, that early in conference play. So, But if they, if they can show competitiveness, I think, I think you can see Mike Boynton get another year at Oklahoma State. And I wouldn't be against it. You never know, Big 12 teams, when they're under the radar like Oklahoma State could be right now, you never know when a team might take off. And I think West Virginia is another one of those teams that is just dying to really take off. 
uh, with the talent that they have. But, Robert, as always, we love having you on here on the game to talk Oklahoma State football and basketball. Appreciate your time. I'll say hi to Matt for you, and uh, we'll talk to you again down the road. Hey, did Manhattan High win today? They did. They're on to the uh, Dodge City Championship. All right, all right. And are you guys – so you guys are in the uh, gym at Dodge City? Yeah, uh, well, no, it's uh, it's not okay. like, where the, like where the Juco plays. It's in their uh, hockey arena. Oh, in their hockey arena. Okay. Yeah, right, right. next to the casino. Uh, there you go. <laughs> that much better location. Yeah. All right, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Robert. Take care. See ya. That's Oklahoma State sideline reporter Robert Allen here on the game. He's also a writer for PokesReport.com. We do have Mitch Palm coming up in hour number two. We'll finish hour number one coming up next here on the game. A little overtime on the uh, Game Sports Update. Kansas City Chiefs on the road at the Buffalo Bills. And we will have coverage of that game here on K-Man with Start time at 4 o'clock for pregame kickoff at 5.30. The game also televised on CBS. Did you guys talk Chiefs Bills yesterday? A little bit. I'm sorry. We talked a little bit, a tiny bit, a baby, a bacon bit. Owen, you're a neutral, you are the neutral voice here. Owen, I guess I am keep too, your but, mouth shut. But I, oh, oh, you were going to, I'm, oh, I oh. am leaning Buffalo. Mm-hmm. They're a hot team right now. Are you saying who I want to win or who you think you're gonna who's gonna win? This is I think this is the the one thing I think is a guarantee. This is by far and away the toughest game to call in the playoffs. It's these teams are so neck and neck. I think honestly, Patrick Mahomes has earned a level of respect in my book that only really like Tom Brady has had, where doesn't matter unless it's a two score game with ten seconds left, number fifteen in red's got a pretty good shot at getting the job done. So I'm gonna roll with the Chiefs, honestly. I think hmm. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to come down to the wire, but I have faith in the best quarterback in the game. I don't really have keys to my to explain my my pick. I just it's it's a Buffalo's at home. It, it's going to be an insane environment. It is. It is. It's the first time he's on the road in Buffalo with fans. They played there in 2020, but COVID season, not a lot of people there. It's going to be the first time they have to deal with Bills Mafia, but. I, I just I don't know how much it's going to play for Patty. It's the, he's the best quarterback in the game. I just don't feel like he's going to get rattled very easily. And, you know, maybe with the defensive past years of Buffalo, um, you know, it poses a little bit more of a challenge. Not that their defense is bad this year. It's just not the top ten group that it usually is. So, I don't know. I just have a lot of faith in Patrick Mahomes. Um, he's the best quarterback in the game for a reason. So, I'm going to roll with him. Deej going Chiefs? No. I'm going the Buffalo Bills. I think they smell blood in the water. I this, I don't think you're wrong by this any stretch. Team, this, this Chiefs team ain't scoring in 13 seconds. That's not going to happen. It's just different. They're just different. They don't have – like Travis Kelsey looks like he needs to go home for just like two weeks and sit down for two weeks and not do it. He's hobbling. Rashi Rice has come up in like the last couple weeks – and he's so good. But this team doesn't have the weapons to get down the field in 13 seconds on you. Um, Pat Mahomes isn't getting the protection that he needs to do anything like that. And these guys are dropping balls left and right. It's just a little bit of a wounded kind of team that has played. Uh, like The thing that helped them last week was that Miami laid down. Miami just stopped trying to run the football. They 
Tua laid down on the and the rest of the team didn't want nothing to do with that game. They wanted to go home. This Buffalo Bills team, they are going to be ready. The weather won't be quite as bad, but it will still be Buffalo bad, and they're ready. They'd play this in the parking lot if they had to. I think this team's resiliency and their mental toughness is so much above where Miami's at. I think Buffalo, I hate to say this because I love the Chiefs and I hate Buffalo, but I think this is finally where they get over the hump. I think they're in the Super Bowl this year. I really do. I think they're. I think they're going to Super Bowl. Did you hear that, Baltimore Ravens? <laughs> yeah, it's like me and Shay are both Ravens. Shay, we both immediately. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, he's wearing it. He's wearing a Ravens hat. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is their year. I don't know. Like, I think, I think they are catching heat. Like, is the time where you want to? It seems like I the the best example I ever have the the Giants back in the two thousands. When they were a nine and seven team, but got hot at the right time, and were able to just carry that heat, and you know what stinks for one seed sometimes? You sit and wait, you know, and you have to wait that week, and it's a blessing sometimes for one seeds, and sometimes it's not, you know, because you're not in the and the other guys are like in already kind of in the thing of it, and I don't know, but uh, I don't think the Chiefs are gonna make it. Right now. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Um, Lamar Jackson has came out and said that he it wasn't a huge fan of the two-week bye when they had it in 2019. And, I mean, the Bills have been playing playoff football for the last six weeks. I mean, they were in winner-go-home mode in, like, week 12. Forever. So. But I'll tell you what, that game, Buffalo and Baltimore, is going to be a bomb game, dude. That 100%. is going to be awesome. I can't wait. Pre-game coverage of the Chiefs and Buffalo Bills will kick off at 4 o'clock here on K-Man sun, uh, Sunday. Uh, kicking off at 5.30 is the actual game. Hour 2 of the game, including Mitch Palm against Oklahoma State, is next.